The night before I left my father's house for land unknown, I watched him cry and I asked him why. He's a child. You belong to another now and go serve your fatherland and remember this is not you being an Israel in Egypt, this is to your fatherland. He will feed you when you're hungry and give you a national burial when you die. I wanted to tell him how impossible it is to serve a father whom you fall in love with each night only to fall right back out the next morning when reality slapped you in the face. My lips called relentlessly around the world Nigeria like it was some kind of mystic that needed to be blooded out bold and bold. I think of me as a sacrificial lamb, the only kind acceptable to the deity of integration, and I was persuaded that all I had to do for the next 365 days was wear this khaki with its somber color of decay and live in prison, and attend tedious. I was wrong. I had been wrong this past few months in proving that. The weary hands, the farm yams, and bring the harvest as a sort of reward for teaching the children how to speak English language. The tattered kid who watched me pass the street and thought he'd seen a god. There's so much hopelessness lurking around the drunkard who wished he was like me. I know I had a wrong and there was more to this. Much more than my bigotry sense of non-children. So here I am learning my first three words. Service, community, and regiment. I am everywhere, in every place, in the cities, in the villages. I corner darkness in places rural and far away. Kids wear no shields or like no any cover. I brought a tongue tied to learn new languages. I speak in tongues I have never known before. And I am happy when my student can finally say, Teacher, good morning, in English language. All recite the first 20 elements and especially pronounce the words magnesium and phosphorus. I am learning that there is a country here. I can no more defect from being who I am. I am the symbol of unity. I am the alibi that keeps our rivers together. I am the voice of regeneration. I am the mediator of hope. I am the morning behind the cloud of darkness. The rock might not sleep to give us rivers. Dry bones might not rise to fight our cause, but we will rise. We learn to count the stars in our troubled sky and thank God for those blessings. Who tell the world about our sun that beams too much and about our rain that blow our houses adrift and grow our cones? There are little things you can find here. There are little things that mix up the world. So who tell the world that though we do not belong to it, vulgar trends, we belong here in the world of little things. You have no idea how much hope beside here. So each time I am being maimed or installed as a windshield, each time I shed my skin for hunger or violence, each time I hear our story of the many who had to pay the supreme sacrifice, I am reminded that this is to my fatherland. And we must learn how to be heard, to love the fatherland, can't you see? Outside of these walls, we are the refugees. stories of people, not your everyday celebrities, who have been displaced casualties of war still very much haunted by the memories. What it means to be Nigerian and of course, a side dish of poetry to go alongside it all. This is the very first episode. I am Yemisio
schedule, and this is all our lives. Okay, so by nature of um, location, I am from Sokoto State, and um, my father is from Ondo State, that is in the no southwest of Nigeria, and my mom is from Kwara State, a north center zone of the country. So in between being a Hausa and a Yoruba, I find myself conveniently being a Nigerian. If you have to travel to Lagos and you discover that your, your family discover that you don't speak Yoruba as well as you speak Hausa, when you get back to Sokoto State and discover that uh, the native speakers don't count you as one of them, because you are not a natural speaker, <laughs> you find yourself asking, where exactly do I belong? But again, this is Nigeria, so you're welcome. I spent almost all my life in Sokoto State. <laughs> right now, I'm doing my one-year national service in Benue State. Yes, Benue State. That was not an accident, not at all. I choose to be here. But first of all, that poem you just heard was my attempt to both lament and appraise my service here so far. And the perspective I heard then, and the one I have now, I wanted my service here to be awesome. I wanted to meet friends, make money, and build memories. I, I wanted to just have fun, but everything just changed. I wanted to be here. I find myself wanting to be here in a war zone. I wanted to be where people die every day from crisis. And to this, we all had our perspective about benefit. I mean, there's so many ideas. You will have it too if it's you from the news, other people dying, crises, and all of those. So I, I, took my time to interview some of my colleagues and co-members who had one or two things to say about Benue State. What's the second thing about Benue State? Uh, okay, when I presented myself later, and then I saw Benue I was like, wow, I'm going to turn tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was going to speak a lot of language, like I have, to learn, I have something new to learn actually in life. So I took the challenge and then I was like, I'm going to come here. Were you bothered? Um, I wasn't bothered actually. I wasn't bothered because I knew it was a call I have to pick. So I felt very much okay picking the call because I have to do this. Even if I'm not doing it in Guinness, I'm going to do it somewhere else. If you were given another chance, where would you have worked You know, no place like home, right? All of us are in my house. I can't look at you. Maybe, did you ever have any challenge in this I think you were coming. What are your fears? Your fears about okay, yeah, it's just, okay, my, my major fear was the level of insecurity in the streets. In the sense that, I mean, I've been hearing about the rate of politicism in the state, you read on the news, this one doing this one in the news, this one group is actually this one. So that was one of the major things that, but then I'm coming from the north now. So, yeah, okay, I know. So that's our it, it doesn't freak <laughs> um, you that much. Musaba. Musaba, yeah, yeah exactly. Musaba, that was. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, um, actually, when I got my, um, um, what's it called, posting letter, uh, when I was, I saw that I was deployed to, to Benue State. Actually, I was going to deploy, but then when I got here, 
and I saw the culture and I felt okay, this is I could learn something from these people and I could you know from something very different from where I'm coming from. Like I've been to all the places where I actually wanted to reply to the city and most and all these places. Can you really well I the, the um the fact that they have food and it's cheap here. Yes. We deploy okay, okay, because of the um the headsmen, the crisis that um that was going on around here. And of course Benway, like Benway, whenever you hear Benway, you hear this like like it's backwards and also but when I got here actually I felt it's not all that bad. I could try because yeah, I could just try. <laughs> all right. Tell me your first impression about Benway States. Um, when I was coming to Benway States, my people, everybody was like, wow, can you stay with them? Those people are harsh, they are rude, they love fighting, like, I can't stay with them. I was like, I will try my best. Though, even you know, it's not easy staying with them, but I've tried my best. Mm, so far, so good. I think you're not just someone by what they said. So when I came to Benway State, though it's all out of the people are somehow friendly. But I think I'm enjoying Benway State for now. For now. Mm. So you've been here for how many months already? This is epic. So I asked myself, why am I here? What exactly brought me here in the first place? Stories brought me here. Stories of people who are like me whose homes had been torn by war and fear. Yes, fear. Someone once asked me, do you ever miss your dad? <laughs> I smiled and replied, you don't miss what you never really had, do you? That was hard, I know, but truth is, I'd never really known the man. I was barely three when it happened, and there, he was gone. He died running from the crisis at Kano State. He was running. He was not among those who were slaughtered on the roadside or in the big yard of their homes. He was not among those that were burned to ashes or that met their death through gunshots. No, he had an accident while he was running. That was it. A car crash, he couldn't breathe anymore. Before night, he was gone. He suffered internet injuries and died. And since then, I have been running too. <laughs> running from house to house, seeking refuge. You know, from different family members, different places. I've lived in at least seven different homes and different places at different times. And I just started living with my mom in 2005, and I tell you that there's little a helpless mother can do to assuage your fears and helplessness. So, I felt so connected with these people, so really connected, like the palm of my hands to the back of it, and this is what brought me here, to Benue State. More than 50% of our places in Benue State had been deserted. Thousands of cartoons have been rusted to. So from Agatu to Guma to Vendekia, how 
where farmers had their lives in bands and now left to house hunting spirits. And the yams had gotten so decayed now below the now useless soil. A banner state, the food basket of the nations, as is once known to be, has its best farmers, some brutally murdered, many ran away for their dear life, and so many others camped at different IDPs in the state awaiting their slow death. And some of these IDPs are just open places where people live in tents. And the tent that I'm talking about is made with mosquito nets and old clothes. <laughs> That's the tent in the heat of the sun in the cold of the Hamadan at this period of the Hamadan. They are there, living there. This is what it means to live in a war zone. What it means to live in terror. They have been recovering fights between farmers and headsmen. And it might have reduced a great deal now, but maybe now is when the war starts. The war with hunger, sickness, frustrations, fears, and psychological traumas, all of which are as potent as terror itself. And maybe the war, the worst war ever, the war with Rangers. Recently, I was in one of the IDBs and I was doing sensitization about some SDG goals. And I was sensitizing some children and I asked them what they wanted to be. I was giving them ideas when I was talking about quality education. So I was giving them ideas in their heads, you know, dreams that we had as children to be doctors, farmers, no, no, farmers, <laughs> engineers, and uh, you know, those barristers. And they were looking at me. Yes, I had to do that through the help of an interpreter. But they were still looking at me like I don't know what I'm saying and they told the man who was interpreting to me that he should tell me that they want to be soldiers. So I got curious and I asked them why they wanted to be soldiers. And the response shocked the life out of me. It was like they had been rehearsing it for months, like it was the hymn of their daily devotion. Like they like that was the only thing in their head told me they wanted to be soldiers because they want to fight and destroy whoever it was that destroyed their homes. These are children, children under the years six, seven, eight, nine. How exactly did you get here? <laughs> and who would teach these children otherwise? And if they have to go through that mentality until they get to the teenagers and youths, Whenever they have the opportunity to become terrorists, will they not jump at it? Now, this is how this circle continues. So these are the stories we will be telling you in all our lives. The stories about survivor, of casualties of war whose stories beg to be told, of silent heroism that went unrewarded, and depths that wish to be let loose. We will bring these people to you. You will hear the stories. Feel the emotion and also listen as they try to survive in this their new life. I do hope you will enjoy listening to these stories. Thank you.
Okay, so I'd like to say a big thank you for everyone just tuning in to listen. It really means a lot. And also, I'd like to thank the set of people that has helped this production. That is Uzumaka. Uzumaka told me to give myself a Christmas gift for doing what I wanted to do. And this, for me, is my best Christmas gift. Thank you. And I'd like to thank Dami Lola. Dami Lola told me, you have to see, you have not done a bit of everything you said you wanted to do in your service here. And that what touched me and made me do this. Thank you, thank you. He also did the editing, the post, most of the post-production process, and also the cover design was all done by Dami Lola without charging a dime. And also to Kasiva, and Azuchuku, thank you for seeing me through the technical process of Adobe Audition. I couldn't have done it without you guys. I really am so grateful for everyone that has contributed to our beat, their professional input, and for the voiceovers by Samuel and Akasiva as well. I really am grateful. Thank you. And for everyone out there that is listening, please keep listening, keep tuning in. And I would really like to hear from you. So give us feedbacks and make this worth it. Thanks a lot and you have a wonderful day.